Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for downloading and listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, we just want to take a quick moment to give our shout-outs to our official sponsor of the podcast, Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Now, Steroplast Healthcare Limited provide lots of products to the seven sectors across the UK uh, and expanding to the world. One of the products in particular that I want to talk about is the Sterotape ZO Zinc Oxide Tape. Now, this is the official tape of light heavyweight Charlie Schofield. Charlie's quoted as saying that the Sterotape is by far the best tape he's ever used. The protection it offers whilst he's training allows him to train at the highest level with no hand injuries. And in the sport of boxing, it's very key to protect your hands. So get yourself over to steroplast.co.uk. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news. News, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode number 21 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Uh, as always, Sean Basso, your host, your co-host today, as always, Cahill Jennings. Cahill. Good weekend again. Yeah, good weekend. Um, an even better weekend coming up now with uh, with some uh, interesting fights coming up, especially with uh, George Groves and Chris Eubank. Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend this weekend. Uh, there's a, a lot to cover off in today's show. Uh, so we will focus primarily on the Groves and Eubank, but uh, we're going to look at the Groves and Eubank undercard because there's some tasty fights on there. Uh, we've got, again, we've got another two interviews on the show today, which we'll put in a little bit later on. We've got the Haymaker Show on Friday night. We've got uh, Brandon Rios, Danny Garcia, uh, Ray Beltran, uh, Devin Alexander-Victor Ortiz, uh, interview with Luke Watkins. It's, it's just too much to go through. So I won't waste any more time. Uh, we'll get straight into it and we'll go straight to the biggest fight of this weekend uh, and probably of this year so far, uh, which is the super middleweight part of the World Boxing Super Series between George Rose and Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, it's for the IBO and WBA Super 
uh, world uh, super middleweight titles. Uh, so I can't wait for this fight. Really looking forward to this fight. It's been one that I've been waiting for ever since the they both came through their previous fights, uh, and and obviously there was the stare down in the ring uh, after the uh, fight. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I, I've seen, obviously, the build-up to it this week. It's, it's now really, really starting to, to get me pumped for this particular fight. And I've seen the... the They've got the final press conference tomorrow. Uh, and today we've had the public workouts uh, here in Manchester in the Football Museum. Um, but, Cahill, obviously, this is a fight I know you've been looking forward to just as much as I have. Um, I, want, I want to get the first question out of the way, which is what everybody wants to hear. Who are you picking and why? Uh, I would probably have to go with George Groves purely because I think he has the experience. He's been in with, let's just say, better fighters. He's been there on the big stage. I know Eubank has um, his biggest fight was probably uh, Billy Joe Saunders, which he didn't come through. I think Groves is the natural super middleweight um, suits him better. He's bigger than Eubank. I just see he's he's a very clever fighter, and people are saying maybe George Groves has passed it a little bit. I don't think so. I think that the big fight is what he gets up for. This is a really big fight, and I don't think it's one he can afford to lose because I think if he was to lose, he doesn't really have anywhere he can go. He said he he is still a big name, but I think he has the boxing IQ. I think if he's clever, keeps keeps on his toes, stays away from the big shots. Um, I think Groves should should take it on points. Well, we said this a couple of weeks ago, and I touched on it. Uh, my my prediction very early on, when the uh, fight was obviously first confirmed, was Eubank, and I'm still sticking with Eubank. And and my this is what divides opinions across the across the world at the moment is that a lot of people, including myself, feel that obviously uh, Eubank uh, is not as battle hardened. He's not as war torn. Uh, I mean, George Groves has been in some absolute wars. You think about the two fights with Cal Froch, um You think about the fight with Badu Jack. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's had some earlier fights where he went life and death with uh, Kenny Anderson uh, earlier on in his career. I know he has improved a lot since then, and obviously he's become a world champion at the fourth time of asking. But one thing that he's always shown to me is a vulnerability with his defensive side and I, I think he can be hit quite easily and with Eubank Jr he's, he's very tenacious and he's very fast and he throws punches in bunches and I do feel that the speed is going to be the difference on the night having said that I do still feel that Groves has a chance uh, a good chance because of the fact that he is a very good counter puncher in the fight with DeGale, we're seeing him negate DeGale completely throughout the 12 rounds and pick up that victory. We've seen him in some great fights as of recent times. You know, we've seen him in, against Jamie Cox, which was a, a little bit of a tear-up at times. And he, he held his ground and his chin held his ground. And he got through that quite comfortably in the end. So... And there is a lot of arguments for, obviously, the growth side, but for me personally, it, it's just Eubank, and I just feel that Eubank, since since he lost to Billy Joe Saunders, I feel like he has become a bit more of a humble character outside and inside of the ring 
before he fought Billy Joe, he, I, I would like to say there was a confidence, maybe a lot. Well, I'd probably say there was a lot of arrogance. Um, he was quite an arrogant fighter uh, in terms of the way he would try to stand in his corner and let the opponent come to him. The stare downs, the moving around, um, the, the mocking the opponents basically. And when he lost to Billy Joe Saunders, that seemed to really, really calm down. It really seemed to humble him. And then there was the fight, obviously, with Nick Blackwell and the victory over Nick Blackwell and then the tragic circumstances after that fight. Again, and the the media stir that it caused afterwards, it just seems to have changed uh, as a a person outside of the ring and inside of the ring uh, in terms of the respect he starts to give his opponents a bit more now. Uh, I do think he'll give George Groves respect, but I don't think he'll show it. And I think what we are going to see on the night is we're going to see George Groves um, fighting a counter-punchers game and we're going to see Eubank on the front foot applying that pressure, trying to break George Groves George Groves down uh, and, and, and locking at a potential late stoppage. Uh, that is how I see it going. Um, but again, there'll be people out there screaming uh, at their earphones, screaming at whichever outlet they listen to this podcast on because they'll be saying, no, that is not how it's going to go. George Groves is going to knock Chris Eubank out as soon as he lands that big right hand on George uh, Chris Eubank's chin. That could very well happen. However... I'm sticking with my original pick, uh, which is Chris Eubank Jr. And I do think it'll be a late stoppage. Um, But we'll see on the night. It's just a very exciting time for boxing. And again, we've said it every week so far since you started uh, on this podcast that the World Boxing Super Series has delivered. And I think it will deliver again uh, come Saturday night. Yeah, 100%. It's what... um, I don't think this fight would have been made... If it, if it wasn't for this tournament, I don't think we would have seen it. Um, for me, as I said, I think it's going to be Groves. Yeah, I can see how people will see Eubank winning it. I just think that um, if he's going in there just thinking that it's he's going he's he's going to knock him out. Um, I, I, Eubank's being rocked by by middleweights. He's been rocked by Gary Spike O'Sullivan. And speaking with the likes of Martin Murray, who've said that. One of the hardest, one of the hardest hitters he's been in with, and he's been in with Golovkin. He said George Groves, um, for just one shot, um, it would be George Groves the hardest hitter. So, it's 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 it could be who lands first, um, but I think it's it, it's a fight that can't fail to deliver, and it, whoever wins this fight, I think if it's Eubank, he goes on to a next level, and then we know he's the real deal. Um, bitter and savory in the build up with stuff that's been been used against um, George Groves and stuff like the the referee needs to protect George Groves and stuff like that. I don't think that's a narrative that they need to be going down. It, it this is a fight that that doesn't need any trash talk. Once again, sells itself and it's one that um, if Groves wins, sets up a huge fight with Callum Smith or maybe Bramer, but you'd be favouring Smith. Um, but I think if Eubank wins, it could be huge for him. He'd have the IBO and the WBA super title. He he could become the box office smash that he wants to be overnight. Yeah, he's quite true. Yeah, I mean, that could happen. I mean, touching on the unsavoury comments, again, it's Chris Eubank Sr. He, he just likes to ruffle people's feathers. You've seen what he's like. He does it all the time. He likes to piss people off, basically. And I think it's just mind games. I think he's doing the mind games on behalf of his son. And and, and, and with having someone like him in your kind of corner, he, he knows how the game works. Uh, he did it all himself. So he, I think he's just trying to get under the skin of the Groves camp and... Um, you know, 
with Groves having that experience with the two fights with Froch, I think Groves is probably mentally a lot stronger than what the uh, Eubank camp will probably give him credit for because he, he has been through some tough fights and, and he'll have learned a lot from the fights that he had with Froch and um, Badu Jack as well over in America. So I, I, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think come fight night, you will see 100% switched on George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what I hope will be uh, an epic fight. And um, on next week's podcast, I hope we're absolutely raving about it because it's, it's one that I've been excited about for a long time. Um, but let's let's move on because the card itself is actually a really good card. Now, when I seen the price tag go up on sixteen ninety five, and I thought, oh, great! So they've had a few pay per views at nine ninety five, and now they're deciding to ramp it right up. But then, when I looked down the card, I actually realised this week that. It's a really good card, and there's a lot of titles on the line. So we'll talk about the fights in a little bit more detail, but just to overview that card, you've got Ryan Walsh and Isaac Lowe for the British featherweight title, Tommy Langford and Jack Arnfield for the British middleweight title, Arthur Iqbal uh, versus Simon Valili for the English cruiserweight title, uh, and you've got up-and-coming prospects in Danny Craven, who also fought on the Callum Smith uh, Scogland undercard and put on a good show uh, against Isaac McLeod, against Luther Clay. So really there, you've got four, what's that, four titles on the line, um, two British, one English, and then obviously two worlds. Do you think that's justified? Now Now I read it back to you like that, do you think it's a justified pay-per-view fee? Yeah, well, I think if George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr. are fighting on Sky you'd be paying this amount and it's one of those fights that it, it justifies the price tag and it's a stacked card you're getting good british title fights you're getting to see good young british fighters but you're getting a cracking main event and if you've seen anything over the last few weeks from the world boxing super series i think 16.95 about 21 euro i'd say 21.95 here us here in ireland but it's something this fight if it was on sky you'd be definitely buying and I'd say people will be subscribing to ITV um, to watch this fight. It's one you, you can't really miss it because you don't get you wouldn't get this fight if it wasn't for this tournament. And that's why I want to see it so much because I don't I didn't think that Eubank would step in the ring with Groves. I didn't think Eubank would step in with with the Gale, but that's one thing he has shown me. Um, he wanted to enter this competition. He knew he would have the chance to face Groves and Smith. Those kind of fights I don't think would have happened. I think there would have been too much politics and stuff like that. But we're getting it. We're getting it on Saturday. And I think the price probably is justified when you see you have Tommy Langford, you have Isaac Lowe, you have Ryan Walsh, all cracking fights, Jake Jake Arnfield, all cracking fights that on their own, like on, on maybe smaller 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 shows would um would be the main event. But we're getting this as the build up to, to a huge fight. And yeah, probably the biggest fight of the year so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so moving on, obviously, to that undercard that we've just been talking about. Uh, Ryan Walsh uh, looking to take the British featherweight title um, with Isaac Lowe in the opposing corner. Uh, Isaac Lowe is, is, is northwest based, so he's over here, obviously, based where I am. Um, he's 14-0. and 0. He has got two draws on his record, but he is yet to taste defeat, whereas Ryan Walsh has lost uh, two, two of his fights uh, in previous times, which... I, I do believe he's a fantastic fighter, but I have seen him uh, lose. He lost the uh, vacant, uh, when he fought for the vacant EBU European featherweight title against Dennis Chalan. So we have seen him go up there, um, and when he's got to that sort of top level, 
he's kind of failed at that top level. He has been in with Lee Selby as well, and he lost a unanimous decision um, for the British featherweight title against Lee Selby. So he has been up at that higher level. However, when he has stepped up, he has been knocked right back down again, and he's lost. So that kind of cast a little doubt in my mind that you know he might not possibly have the tools enough to, to, to get to that level. However, he has been in with more quality operators than, than Isaac Lowe, I believe, and that will probably stead him uh, in, in good stead for this particular fight. If you look at Isaac Lowe's record, you do see a lot of fighters earlier on in his career that have got losing records. Um, and, and, and one of the fights, quite in- interestingly enough, it was Dennis Chalan on Isaac Lowe's record. He also fought Dennis Chalan for the European featherweight title, which was one of his draws. So, again, you can look into that as much as you want to, but for me, with this one, I think it's Isaac Lowe that takes us. I think he's the younger, fresher man. Uh, I think he's got a lot more to a lot more to offer than what I've seen from Ryan Walsh, and that that for me is the pick for that particular fight. I think Isaac Lowe's going to walk away on Saturday night with the featherweight title. Um, Cahill, what do you make of these two fighters? I mean, do you, do you think do you agree with that? Do you think Isaac Lowe could be the one to take that, or do you think Ryan Walsh? actually has enough in the tank and enough experience to, to, to beat Isaac Lowe on Saturday? Well, I think Isaac Lowe, for me, is is going to take it, whether it's by knockout or on points. Um, but I I would have to side with Lowe. Um, I think he's been hard done by in a couple of those draws. He is undefeated. Um, as you said, the younger, fresher fighter going in with someone who may be... Who, he's, what, 25 fights, lost two. But it's not a bad record, what it could be, it could be the passing of the torch kind of thing, where Low, Low can um can get a big title, and to push on to the big fights, um he's got, we noticed his name on um on matchroom cards uh, earlier in his career, and he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but it'd be good to see now if he can pick up the British title, what he can move on to, um but a, a, a great scrap and um good to see that it's for the British title, good to see that Isaac Low is getting the push, um pity it's not on the likes of a Sky or anything like that, but as I said, it's still a huge card and still a huge opportunity for me as good people in his ear like Tyson Fury and um, that that being around those kind of people is just going to rub off on you and I think Isaac Lowe is going to take it on Saturday evening. Well, let's move on to the next fight. Another interesting and I think a tasty fight for this particular card is Tommy Langford versus Jack Arnfield uh, for the British middleweight title. Um, this this is also going to be a quite quite an interesting fight between these two because um, they, they, they've both had great parts of the career and they've also had, obviously, they both tasted defeat at some point in the career. Um, I, I think now it's a bit of... I wouldn't say it's a crossroads fight just yet because they're both young enough to come again, but I do feel that whoever does take... The this this fight really does propel themselves onto bigger and better things, and the one that loses this fight will will possibly just stick around uh, at, at this sort of fringe British level. Um, Tommy Langford, uh, he's nineteen and one. He's he's done really well in his career so far. He's he's fought some some great fighters. Uh, you know, he's fought Lewis Taylor, uh, Sam Shida. Uh, who he's picked up victories over. Um, but there was one particular fight, which we do remember from last year, um, where he fought... Uh, a, who was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders? Um, I'm going to struggle to pronounce his name, but it's uh, Avtandal Kurt Sid 
Sids, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. That's the one. Kersedes. How, yeah. how can I not pronounce? Uh, anyway, Kersedes. <laughs> It was a it was a loss, TKO loss. It was a stoppage loss. It was pretty brutal from what I remember. Um, and he came back and he had one fight, which was in October last year. And he picked up the fight. He picked up the win on points, but it was against a guy who had a losing record. So again, he's he's how much you can look into that as a test going into a fight with someone who's got just as much as experience in Jack Arnfield because Jack Arnfield has also been in with some great fighters uh, he, he beat Brian Rose um, obviously Brian Rose I'd feel would say it was the, at the end of his career last year when he when he fought him but nevertheless he fought Brian Rose he, he fought Nick Blackwell a couple of years ago um, you know look at, looking down the record you've got Cello Render Max Maxwell you know all well known names within the, the boxing community and I, I do I do think that this is possibly going to be the night where Jack Armfield it's like he's coming out party essentially I think this is he's going to pick up this title uh, come Saturday night and I do think he's going to beat Tommy Langford but again, it's it's whatever you like out of these two, really, because you've got one that that can be quite a good puncher, and the other one, you know, that is really really good uh, with the, with the boxing ability. So it, it's a fight I am looking forward to. I just hope it it lives up to the expectation. Um, but again, your your thoughts on this fight? How do you see this one going down on Saturday night? Yeah, for me, it's a genuine fifty fifty fight. Um, I think Langford is at a you wouldn't know what stage he's kind of at. As you said, he he, he had a six-rounder after the Curtis fight. I think the Curtis fight was kind of seeing what level he was at and proved he wasn't at that level just yet. But for me, I think if Langford can keep uh, can keep his composure and keep his head on on Saturday night, I think he'll get the win. Arnfield is on a on a good winning streak, being in with some good opponents. Um, it's it's a great domestic level fight. Uh, for me, I think Langford will take it, but. Wouldn't be surprised if Ironfield came away with the win. Could be a fight that we'd see uh, maybe another, two, maybe one or one or two times more. Yeah. But a genuine fifty-fifty, and I'd like to see. Um, I've seen Langford up close. Uh, remember watching him live. Good fighter. Uh, was being built before the loss, and this could be his comeback, or it could be. Yeah, this is where you're going to be. Where you're going to be saying, and as you said, perhaps maybe Jake Ironfield's Jack Ironfield's um, coming coming out party. Well, I'm look again. Looking forward to it. It's a very uh, big domestic fight, and, and you know what? I, I like to see who walks away and what happens next in both the careers. Uh, moving down the card, looking at other fights on the card, we've got Arfan Iqbal uh, going back to the cruiserweight division here as well, which is uh, interesting. Over the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about cruiserweights, but uh, obviously on the on, on the British domestic scene, uh, we've got Arfan Iqbal, who's currently twelve and zero, going into his thirteenth fight, uh, and he's going for the English cruiserweight title uh, against Simon Valili, who's twelve and one. Which I think this is going to be a great fight. Um, I think this could be one that a lot of people are forgetting that's on the card. Um, I, th- I think this is going to be uh, one where you know potentially we could see. I, w- I don't want to say it's a show stealer because I don't. I don't think it's going to be hundred percent that. But I do think it's a fight on the card that could potentially uh, light up the MEN, uh, Manchester Arena on Saturday night. And they're both at a similar stage of the career now where. Picking up an English cruiserweight title, you know, will propel them on to the British level where, you know, we've talked about 
you know, Isaac Chamberlain and Lawrence Coli last week. Uh, we talked about the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight. You know, we're talking a lot about the Cruiserweights recently in general, and um, it seems to be a recurring theme on the uh, podcast. But it's a it's a fight that, like I said, I think it's coming under the radar just a little bit. Um, do you know a lot about these two fighters, and and how do you see this particular fight going? Yeah, there's only one loss between the two of them, but I'd have to go with Iqbal on this one. Um, the undefeated fighter, yeah, I know there's only one defeat, but it's for a title. It's on a big stage, a huge chance for either, and the cruiserweight division in in Britain now is really starting to buzz. So a huge chance for one of them to really stake a claim, maybe to be in with for the likes of, later on in the show we have um, Luke Watkins, maybe to have a chance at the Commonwealth title. But this... It starts with a win on Saturday night. Um, good to see the, the English Cruiserweight title being put on a big show. And these fights, yeah. maybe for the likes of a British, at the English title being put on a big show, where people get to see these, yeah, about 12, about 12 now, or 12 and 1 in uh, Valili's case. Um, but I would have to go with Iqbal on this one. Um, and could be another one of them, another another coming out party. If he if he really shows the stuff, um, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen him on some, some, uh, some big shows coming up. Well, if you look at the records um, of Valili and you look down the record and you look at that one particular loss, there's a name that crops up on there, and it's uh, it's Marius. It's Mari- I can't pronounce it again. It's Marius Bradis. That was his loss on his record. So that that is actually uh, quite an interesting one because obviously Bradis we seen a couple of weeks ago uh, lose a majority decision to Usyk in what was one of the fights of the year. Mm-hmm. So. Again, you think about Valili's record, and you think, "Oh well, he's, he's twelve and one." But look at who he's fought. Um, he, he's, he's he's fought, but he's actually fought Brady. I mean, he lost; it was a stoppage loss. But he's been in with someone at that level who's who now put on a potential candidate for fight of the year only two two three weeks ago. Um, so, it, whilst I initially go for it, I Nick Bell on this fight. There is a chance that experience may. Go in Villali's favour, but we'll see. Again, what we'll, you know, it's a, it's a good that the cruiserweight division is having this. Every, it's just that everyone Villali's fought except for Breedis has had not a great record. No, so he is the older fighter. So maybe youth could could come out on top. It's just that the only real name on on his right on his record is Breedis, and unfortunately, that's a defeat. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens come Saturday night. Um, there's one other fight on the card that I want to touch on. Uh, now, I don't know how much of any of these uh, two fighters that you've actually seen, but uh, Danny Craven, I, I've I've got to see a lot of uh, in the gym um, because I've been a lot over to Kieran Farrell's gym in the past sort of eight eight nine months and. You know, he he's a fighter that, although he's very early on in his career, he put on a very, very good performance uh, in his last fight, which, funnily enough, was on the undercard of the Callum Smith and Scoglin fight on the World Boxing Super Series. So he's already been on the undercard, and that was actually one of the show stealers for that night, uh, that particular fight. A lot of people really raved about that fight, and obviously they've, Kieran's managed to get him on this fight uh, against a relatively unknown Luther Clay. Um, again, I ask you the question, do you know a lot about any of these two fighters? Because they are very early on in both their careers. Just looking to, looking them up now, um, I haven't. I can't say that I've heard of uh, Danny Craven, but just looking at his record, 3-1, three, three and one. Um, his opponent six and one. 
he's still young, 25. If it, it's a huge opportunity for him on Saturday night, get a good win. You you wouldn't know what it does. It does for you. Don't know who sees you, and you can put you on a, on another big card. And it, it's a great chance for the the fighters around the area, and um, with a big show on in Manchester, being being given this chance, and and, and it's great to see. I think one thing that I would uh, recommend you to do is if you go back and look at his fight with Isaac McLeod, um, which was on the uh, show in September last year. I think you you will see that he he, he has got. Uh, a lot of potential and I've been around a lot around Kieran Farrell and one of the things he, he, he does a lot with his fight is if he feels uh, even this early on in the career that he can get them a good fight like that and he feels they're ready for it even at an early stage then he will put them in there uh, and he's never been shy of saying that himself and you look at Danny Craven's record and you look at the fights he's had he beat Nathan McIntosh Nathan McIntosh was a well-known fighter and you got in with Isaac McLeod. Now, the Isaac McLeod fight was quite controversial because a lot of people watching that fight felt that Danny Craven won that fight. Again, it's you know it's always controversy in boxing and the scoring. There was a lot of people around that did feel Danny Craven won the fight. However, Isaac McLeod took the decision on the night and walked away the victor. So, Danny's obviously out to prove a point. Uh, Luther Clay... You know, like I say, he's he's relatively unknown. You you look at, you look for Lou for Clay on the internet. You don't really find a lot of, of, of footage on him, so you don't really know what to expect really with Lou for Clay. So it's going to be for me uh, an interesting fight because for the casual audiences who have not really seen of them, they're going to get to to see these two fighters in action and I do genuinely think they'll say a cracking fight I mean I, I do I've seen Danny in the gym and like I say I've seen his last fight and his fight before that and I, I do think he's got the potential to do well in the in the in the welterweight division so we'll see what happens anyway come Saturday night but for me you know Danny Craven takes this 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 result but then Luther Clay you just never know not he's, he's relatively unknown he could really bring something to the table that none of us have seen before so we'll just have to wait and see but I think that sums it up really about the World Boxing Super Series card this weekend we've touched obviously on the Groves and the Eubank fight which we're, we're looking forward to and we've touched on the undercard um, so I want to move on and I just want to go back to yourself Carl because I know you've been a very busy lad this week um, doing your interviews and I know you've managed to, to catch up um with a couple of well-known people. Uh, so tell us about the first person you've caught up with this week. Yeah, I caught up with Jamie Moore there the other day and um, gave him a quick call. Uh, really interesting to sit down with Jamie. Someone that if, if I had the chance, I'd love to sit down with him all day and talk about boxing. But uh, <laughs> just got his views on Carl Frampton's fight, uh, Tommy Coyle's fight with Master Dodd, um, what's next, where well, we know what's next for Martin Murray, but just what he feels that, what what a win could do or what a defeat could do from against Billy Joe Saunders and um, what's next for uh, Rocky Fielding but someone that I'd love to sit down with more really interesting and has such such a such a depth and um, such a knowledge of um of boxing and um, someone who could talk for hours and I don't think he'd uh, he'd run out of things to say but uh, yeah Jamie Moore was someone that I sat down with recently good well I'm going to put that interview on for the listeners uh, it's about it's about 10 to 12 minutes long so if you guys have a listen to the interview that Cahill had with Jamie Moore uh, and then we'll come back to you and we'll continue on with the show yeah I just wanted to get your take on the uh, the, Carl, the upcoming Carl Frampton and uh, Donair fight yeah yeah so I was just wondering how preparation was going yeah no it's going great yeah, it's obviously the early stages it's just um, getting a bit of grounding getting a good base 
camps though. We go we go to do uh, we go to Tenerife in, in two weeks doing some altitude training and a bit of warm weather training um, before then. He'll get back here and do uh, about six weeks where he'll do his proper um, preparation regarding sparring and stuff like that. And so uh, yeah, we've we've got uh, we've got it all planned out and. As I say, he's given himself plenty of time so that there's no mistake, there's no rushing. We're just going to build into it steady and make sure he peaks at the right time. And how do you feel a fight with Denair will go? Do you think um, we've seen the best of Denair? Do you think he, he has one big one big uh, performance left in him? Oh, I, I don't think you can ever tell that until, until you're actually in there on the night. I think Denair is the type of fighter who's definitely capable of, of having one last big performance. I think, um, I think he's proven in the past that his best weight is probably platinum weight. You know, maximum super random weight. I don't think he uh, can hit quite the same at featherweight, although he's obviously still dangerous because he does carry power. But I think the devastating element of his power is definitely a couple of weights below. So we've definitely got to be careful, and, uh, and you know, there's dangers there. But I think he's got 35, and the best part of his career behind him, although I'm sure he will put a good performance in, I think you know, the, the best hand of cards on our, on our table, I think Carl has got. Um, He's got youth on his side, he's got natural size on his side, although only a little bit. And, and, and Denair probably hits harder, but I think Carl's got more strength to his ball. So, so put, putting both the styles together, I think he's, um, Carl, Carl's definitely got the ace in, in that aspect. He's just about making sure we put him in, in, into the right sort of formation, setting the game plan out right, and making sure Carl avoids putting himself in a situation where he could you know, leave himself open to that dangerous left hook or that, that straight right hand over the top. So he's, um, there is danger to it. And do you believe Carl has had some uh, some big fights with Santa Cruz? But do you still believe that Carl's best years are ahead of him? I think he's still got some of his best performances ahead of him. Definitely, I think at thirty years old, you know, you, you think for a featherweight, he's, he's starting to get you know towards the end of his career. But you know, nowadays people are looking after themselves better. Um, the training is being managed better, so you know he's not the type of fighter who's riddled with injuries. He's, uh, he's, he makes away well when he's when he's, his mind's on the job and there's no distraction. He's um, and he's training smart now. He's not he's not overtraining, which you'll you know his body will be able to perform better. I think the last performance against Garcia, um, it's a good job he wasn't in there overtrained because Garcia finished the fight really strong, which we we, we sort of foreseen in training. I knew it was going to be that sort of fight, and we made sure that he had to be he had to be fit, but he had to be fresh as well. Because if you went in there tired, having a long you know grueling training camp, then that's the sort of fight where you don't want to be involved in. So um, so. In hindsight, it's a good job that we got the 10 tough rounds in because, you know, potentially that, that will stand him in good stead for the fight against Denair if, you know, if he goes, you know, it turns into a long, grueling fight. But um, I see it being more technical early doors and as the fight progresses and Carl starts to enforce his tactics, I think it'll get more physical then. But I think early, early on it'll be more tactical and then it'll start to, to warm into a more exciting fight. And is the is the the third fight with uh, Santa Cruz? Is that what you'd like next? If, if you came through the now, would you like that in Belfast and Windsor Park? We would. I think that's top of the list, definitely. I think um, I think Santa Cruz has got other ideas. Although he has said that he's come to Ireland and fight Carl, I don't think he's got any intention of doing that. But I know what Carl's like, and I know he's, he's always wanted that homecoming uh, Windsor Park. So I'd imagine if Santa Cruz is not willing to come over here, then he'd be willing to. Wait one more fight because I know for a fact he, he definitely wants the headline at Windsor Park and the Santa Cruz has to be put back till what you know November December time um, and, and let it build that way and he has to travel to Vegas and I know he'd be willing to do that but 
the ideal scenario would be to get Santa Cruz at Windsor Park in the summer. But if that can't happen, then it has to be someone else at Windsor Park. And I'm sure he'd be willing to do that. But I know for a fact that the top, the top priority in his mind is Santa Cruz, the third fight. Uh, just another one of your fighters that I wanted to touch on was um, Tommy Coyle. How do you think his fight's going to go with uh, Sean Mashadot? You know what? I think I, I like Mashadot. He's a great lad. He's, um, he's done really well and he's achieved some great things, but nobody expects him to do. Steve Wood, his manager, has done a great job of him getting these opportunities and he's so unlucky to have not won the British title. Um, you know, he, he got stopped late on the first time he challenged for it, which I thought was uh, it was an early stoppage and then the second time he was unfortunate enough to get it. So, He's been unlucky a little bit in that sense, but, but if you look at it from a positive point of view, he's, he's been given opportunities what he probably never would have got. So Steve's done well for him there, and, uh, and Tommy Carl's one of Steve's lads as well. So fair place for putting both guys together. But you know, I just feel that Tommy's got so much experience under his belt now, and he's had those losses and knockbacks where he's learned a lot from him, and uh, he's going into this fight with a lot of experience. And you know, even though he's only 28, I know he's looking at this as if to say, if I don't win this then I'm probably not going to achieve what I want to achieve. And a little bit like Martin Murray in that sense, when he's going into this fight with Billy Joe Saunders, now he knows that it's his last chance. And although I don't feel like it would be Tommy's last chance, I know it's very much in his mind that it would be. So, um, you know, a desperate man, a dangerous man. And I think the experience of his losses before where he's made a few mistakes, I don't think he'll make them this time. Now he knows he can't afford to do that. And although Mash is a good fighter in his own right, I think Tommy's... Tommy's he, he, he's sort of made for Tommy style-wise. And, uh, and again, I think it'll be a good fight for the fans, but I think Tommy's got the style to beat him. You know, it, it's a little bit of a risk in going back down to lightweight. With, with, you know, it's, a, it's a gamble we're willing to take because the, the reward is worth the risk. So you know, we, we won't know the answers to whether he's going to be still strong at lightweight until he gets down there, but he's confident he will be. He's been making uh, lightweight away pretty easy, so that's the reason why he decided to gamble and go back down. But... They won't know until they get down there, but fingers crossed he can pull it off. I'm, I'm 100% confident he can do it. You know, I'm, I'm devastated that I'm not going to be able to be in the corner because Eddie put the show on the same night as Frank Warren's show with Carl, and um, he put me in a horrible predicament. But luckily, we've got a good team in the gym. You know, nice Travis who helps me in the gym. He's been on board with Tommy since day one. You know, nearly five years now. So it's not like he's somebody new in the corner. And, uh, and the big thing for me will be, you know. If and when Tommy wins the Commonwealth Final, I'll be I'll be gutted because I won't be there uh, with him. And uh, you know it, it's such a shame, but what can you do? We've got we've got a job to do. And we're just going to have to go in and there and do it. You know, I, I I would never have told Tommy not to take the fight for selfish reasons because I won't be in the corner. You know, I wouldn't ever sort of put that on him. And I, I know for the fact he uh, he's capable of doing it. And uh, you know his own experience will, will, will carry him through that fight. He, he doesn't have to rely on me in the corner. He's got nice there. He's got an experience man in the corner with him and he's an experienced fighter himself so he doesn't have to rely on anybody else now he can do it himself I spoke with, I spoke with um, Martin Murray the other week he said if he didn't beat Billy Joe Saunders he's retired you, he said it himself that he thought it was his last chance do you think it's his last chance and how do you see a fight with Billy Joe Saunders going after we seen such a performance against Lemieux um, last time out yeah I think I think it is his last chance I think he's lucky to get his last chance as well you know he's, he's 35 years old and not many people get the opportunity like he has but he served his he served his time well in the game and he, he deserves it. You know, there's not many people who, who you could look at who's had five world title shots and every time you go, Do you know what, he deserves it. He, and and theoretically the he'd have got, you know, a fairer decision a couple of times. He could be a two weight world champion. So he has been very unlucky. And I don't think anyone would begrudge my money another opportunity uh, because, you know, he served the game well, he's been involved in some great 
a world champion. So Billy Joe Saunders' performance last time against Lemieux was outstanding. I think, you know, he was the best he's boxed the professional. Um, but a lot's got to be said about Lemieux's um, you know, overall talent. I know he's a, a frightening puncher when, when you hold your feet and stand in front of him. But Billy Joe was never going to hold his feet and stand in front of him. He's such a slick cow puncher. And um, I think the Ingle gym suits him down to the ground. I think they're bringing the best out of him. And as Martin Murray got his hands up with Billy Joe, absolutely. But I don't think anybody would expect to go into a world title champ going in with someone and think, you know what, this is going to be easier. If that was the case, then what would what would be the point in being a world champion? There wouldn't be any prestige to it. You know, he's going to have to overcome a very, very good established fighter in Billy Joe to, to become world champion. And I think the setbacks from the past are going to make this victory, if he can pull it off, all the more sweeter. I'm just wondering if you had any news on when uh, we see Rocky Fielding again, Jamie. Uh, they're getting Rocky out on the 3rd of March on the Elbrook on the car just to get him a run out because obviously he's potentially going to be boxing in December, I think, for the, um, on the Bellevue Hay postponed card. Then he got put back to January and he's just been in the gym taking over all the time since then. So they, they couldn't leave him just you know hanging around. They've got him a little run out on the, on the Elbrook card and then I think potentially he could be involved in a, in a bigger fight on the value hey rematch made fifth but you know if I haven't been named yet so we're just waiting on news on that but as I say they can't keep him hanging around so they're just going to get him out on the third match and what would you like to see for Rocky this year do you think if he can uh, stay on the winning track that he get maybe a world title shot late this year or maybe early next year yeah I think Rocky's coming into his peak he's 30 years old and, and uh, he's a devastating puncher and I just think although winning the long belt about our right is a great achievement for, for any British fighter um, sometimes as a fighter, you want to be able to try and achieve the most you can achieve, you know, push yourself to the limit. And I think at this stage now, Rocky sort of staying at British level for 12 or 18 months to win the Lonsdale belt would be detrimental to his career. It'd be great to have a belt at the end of it, but I think if he's going to test himself and see how far he can go in the sport, he has to be now. And I think this year they're going to push him into international fights, you know, fringe world level, see how he gets on. And then, you know, I, I, I've been screaming for, for, for the last six months with the management and the promoters just saying, you know, get him, get him a Zuga, get him someone like that who's not involved in the in the tournament, um, in the super middleweight tournament, the Muhammad Ali trophy, and get him to um, get him to get get one of the other world champions or, or one of the top level um, world level fighters, the super middleweight, and put him in there with Rocky. You know, get him involved in a big fight because I, I feel it'll bring the best out of him. And uh, he put in a, a great performance last time to win the Commonwealth title and add it to his British. And, you know, we felt uh, that might sort of push him on. You know, going into that fight, everyone was saying it was a 50-50 fight. And uh, it's for him to go in there and, and get a first-round win, but then still be in the same position now, nearly six months later. You no, know, it's not It's not good. And uh, I'm hoping that, um, you know, Eddie Earn um, can, can get him a meaningful fight for him to, you know, get his teeth into and, and push him into that world team because he's only had the one loss against Callum Smith. And Callum Smith is very much one of the top super middleweights in the world. So there's no disgrace in that. And it was, it was a shootout. It was a first-round uh, win. And, you know, that, that that was one of those fights. But he's always going to go in that way, one way or the other. So, you know, I don't think that should be held against him. I think he should be given another, another opportunity. At 30 years old, he, uh, you know, I think he's time to push down and try to, try to find his level and see where he's at. Just one more, Jamie, and I'll let you go. I just wanted to get your prediction for the Groves-Eubank match. Um, do you know what? I think Eubank is... Um, but the, the big 
question mark for me is how is he going to be at super middleweight I know he had a good win last time out in the, in the tournament but it was against a guy who's really unproven and I think you know going in, in against a puncher like George Groves um, who's a massive super middleweight is, he, he, I think the first time Eubank texted a clean right hand over the top off Groves his reaction is he's going to be a big turning factor in it because if you if you take it well and, and doesn't really flinch or walks with it then I think down the step Groves could be in trouble because he's never really been one who finishes you know the second half of a fight that strongly but um, you know all, all in I think if, if he had to put my house on it I'd probably go for Groves um, either a late stoppage or, or on points but I wouldn't be surprised if you bank out points so there you go thoughts from Jamie Moore on Carl Frampton uh, really interested to, to hear what he had to say about obviously Carl's return against Nonito Donaire Um like you just said before, before the interview, he's got a really great uh, in-depth knowledge of the game with obviously him being such a well-known fighter himself and the fact that he's transitioned over so well to be a trainer and he's got that knowledge and that breadth of knowledge. He's, he's you know, I think he's really going to do well with the fighters that he's got. Uh, it was interesting to hear his thoughts uh, on obviously Rocky Fielding um, because we was obviously hoping to see him fight Eric Scoglin, which was announced until... You know, the unfortunate circumstances of Scoggling having a bleed on the brain. That was a fight I was really looking forward to for Rocky, but, you know, it's going to be good to see Rocky Fielding get another good fight. Um, and in, in general, obviously, it was really good to hear the, the thoughts of Jamie Moore there. So, um, I, like you said before, I, I, it must have been an enjoyable one for you to do. Um, Jamie's a, obviously a really well known guy and really well knowledgeable guy. Um, but yeah, no, Cahill again, thanks for catching up with, with Jamie this week. It was really good to, to listen to his thoughts there. Um, so moving on to the next part of the show, we're going to cover off what else is going on. It's quite a big weekend for boxing this weekend. In general, there's so much going on that when we sat down and prepared the, the notes for the show, I was like, wow, there is a lot of fights going under the radar here um, that people are completely forgot because they're being overshadowed by the Groves Eubank. On Friday night, we've got the show from David Hay and Haymaker Promotions. Uh, funnily enough, we were talking about Joe Joyce last week potentially fighting Derek Chisora. Um, yeah, again, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little good lineup because I've looked at the card uh, and, and I've looked at what's going on with that particular card and I can see that there's a lot of good up-and-coming prospects on that card, and obviously Joe Joyce himself. Um, but Carl, you know, talk us, talk us a little bit through through that card and, and, and how you see that night going. Yeah, it's a, it's a as you said, it's a, it's one that went under the radar. Um, it's great that we have we have boxing on the likes of Dave and Channel Five. That's channel that's channels that people have, and if they interest in boxing. You have, a, you have a night of boxing there. You can see the likes of Joe Joyce, Willie Hutchinson, John O'Donnell. Um, it's a, for Joe Joyce, it's a it's a keep busy, and for Willie Hutchinson, it's um it's building experience. He's two and zero. Oh. It it you would also say it's building experience for Joe Joyce, but they do want to push, and we've seen that with the rumours of um of Derek Chisora. But you do have an English title fight with John O'Donnell and uh, Tamuka Muchka. But it, it's it's a good card. Um. I don't think you're going to see many 50-50 fights, but um, good to see it on on Dave. And when David Hayes made his return and he said that he'd be working with Dave, he, he stuck to his word and he's keeping yeah. boxing on uh, terrestrial TV. And it's something that it, maybe the casual fans who have, have seen a bit of boxing can get into. And you'd like to see more more of these cards. It's a while since he's done a, done. Um, 
he's done a card and it's good to have it on a Friday night as well when you finish up work you're knackered sit down and watch a bit of boxing you're going to get to see Joe Joyce Willie Hutchinson some some good fighters and uh, some good up and coming fighters but uh, excited to see what Joe Joyce um, what he has needs to improve on his last performance I think he'd even admit that himself but uh, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a good card an exciting night of boxing well, like I said, I was looking down the card, and um, obviously a lot of the fighters that are, are on this particular show are all very fresh face fighters, you know, two, three, four, and old fighters, um, apart from obviously the, the, the main fight, uh, which you touched on there a bit earlier. But it's, it's, it's good because obviously now we're going to get to see it on a Friday night, and um, there's, there's not a lot of boxing, you know, on terrestrial TV on a Friday night anymore and this is a show that I think will do well in terms of the watch um, watch numbers because of the fact that it is free to air it's on the channel that's free to air it's a channel that people can get on free view they can watch this fight um, they can watch Joe Joyce they can watch Dan O'Donnell they can watch some of the up and coming fighters that David Hayes got on this particular show so it's, it's, it's really good and it's a good start to the, the weekend of, of what is going to be difficult to keep up with because there's that much on but it's going to be a great weekend for boxing in general and this is another show that we said goes under the radar um, I do want to also mention uh, for Friday night that there is another show going on uh, over here in the northwest uh, of England and it's funnily enough it's uh, Kieran Farrell's promotions first show of 2018 um, <clears throat> I know I spoke to you a little bit about this coffle um, I've been about some of the fighters that are actually on this show um, you know one of them in particular over from Waterford in Island is Dylan Moran uh, in in what seems to be a keep busy fight for him. Um, he is actually on the undercard of the Last Man Standing show over in Ireland as well, which you're probably a, a lot more well aware of than I am. Um, but he he's one certainly to, to look out for on that show. And there's a couple of um, title fights on on Kieran's show come come Friday night. So. Uh, although it's not on terrestrial telly, uh, in terms of people that listen to the podcast that are local, in terms of the Northwest, uh, there is still tickets available for that show, so you can get yourself over to that one. Um, but yeah, again, boxing starts on Friday, there's, there's a lot going on, and then we move into Saturday, and it's just go, go, go. There's so much going on. Uh, I want to move into the international side of boxing now, and I want to look at some of the fights that are potentially going under the radar, especially from say the British perspective, British and Irish perspective uh, the first one is Brandon Rios and Danny Garcia uh, welterweight fight uh, really looking forward to this one as well you know Garcia has got a lot to prove he's in a division with the likes of Spence Thurman um, you've got Khan who's obviously making his return Um it's it's a fight which I do feel over here has gone under the radar a little bit. Um, I've not seen Rios around for a while. Um, I do feel this is a, is a fight that I think Rios is possibly taking for money. I don't know if he's still got that ambition there. He's, he's kind of been around the block a little bit now. And I think this possibly could be... Uh, a good fight for Garcia to get himself worn up. But again, you just never know with boxing. What can happen? Rios could come Saturday night and, and knock Danny Garcia out. I don't see it personally happening, but I do think it's a good fight. And um, again, I'll put it over to you, Cahill, and you know, we we'll want to get your thoughts on, on this fight that's gone a little bit under the radar ho- over here. Yeah, it's one of them. It, I think this is a, as a comeback fight for Danny Garcia, and I think Brandon Rios is purely there just as... He's a good opponent, he's a good name, he's lost to the likes of Bradley, Pacquiao, but he has to be an active, probably as he could be doing it for money. I I wouldn't think he'd have the same um, the same hunger 
Uh, it, it, for me, it's a, it's a fight for Danny Garcia to come back to look good in. Um, haven't seen him in nearly a year. Um, coming off his uh, his defeat to Keith Thurman, but it, it it's a stacked division, the welterweight division, and Danny Garcia needs to look good. Um, needs to announce himself again. Uh, pity he hasn't come back sooner than this. But Brandon Rios, no slouch. As I said, he could land that shot, but um, if it goes the way everyone thinks they're going to go, it should be a handy night for Danny Garcia. But it's one I think he needs to look good. It, that's that's becoming a kind of an exciting division again with the likes of Spence, with the likes of Thurman, Can coming back. And who knows, we might get the Can the Can rematch. But I, I like Danny Garcia. Not a big fan of his father. I think he should uh, leave his son to do, to do the talking and the boxing. But Brandon Rios has a good record, 31 now. More than likely past his best, but if Danny Garcia looks good, it opens up so many doors in the welterweight division for him. If he comes back with a great performance, people be saying, yeah, Danny Garcia and with Spence, Danny Garcia rematch with Herman, rematch with Can. He, he, he just needs one good performance because he does have the ability. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head with everything you've said there. Um, we've seen Danny Garcia in some great fights, but then we've seen him in a disappointing fight with Thurman, and this is his opportunity to, to sort of put himself back up there with them fighters in that division and, and give himself a bit of a shot, uh, potentially winning the world title again. Um, again, I'm going to move on and look at some of the other fights that I just, I, again, I feel they're just going completely under the radar because we kind of a lot of us over here are so focused on the growth and Eubank fight that we're missing out on some some of the big fights that are on over the weekend and, and one particular one uh, is the recently vacated WBO lightweight title um, Terry Flanagan obviously vacated that from moving up to um, super lightweight and contesting that fight is going to be Ray Beltran who we've seen uh, a lot of recently um, and he's fighting uh, a relatively well known fighter in Paulus Moses Um Again, it's again, it's Beltran. Beltran's a, a really good fighter, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. When we've seen him fight Ricky Burns, and I think he got a little bit shafted on that night in particular. But he, he's a very good fighter, and I think this is his time to, to pick up a title. And I, I think he is going to do it come Saturday night. Um, how much have you seen of Beltran? You know, do you rate him as a fighter? Do you think he's going to take that title come Saturday night? Yeah, I do rate him. Um, it's one of them that. I don't think these guys, either of these fighters, are going to be. Um, no matter which one picks up the title, are going to be putting any fear into the into the really big names in the division. But Beltran's record, he's lost seven. He's going in with Moses. They, they've both had a lot of fights each. But it's for me for for what after watching Beltran, I'd like to see him pick up the title. Uh, he's getting on in years now. But but one of those fights could be an all-out war, um, a big title on the line, and could project him into. Into into the bigger fights in the lightweight division, but Ray Beltran, I'd have to agree. I think he did get a, he did get stung when he was in Britain, but um, he do he he carries power, and I think if Beltran he goes in the favourite, I think if he connects with Moses, he's gonna knock him out. Well, we'll see what happens come Saturday. But again, it's um, I, I can't stress enough how much these these fights are going under the radar. You know, there's going to be a lot of people sort of come Sunday morning still probably reeling in the aftermath of uh, Saturday night's events. But then, we, we, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of boxing to watch on come Sunday morning, to be fair. Um, another good fight, um, which again, is... It's one that is is related to the growth event because it's for the WBC super middleweight title. Um... Do you want to introduce this particular fighter? Because I still can't get his name right. 
Yeah, so it's David Benavides against um, Ronald Gavril, uh, a rematch um, from the split decision that we saw in uh, September. One of the fights of the year. Another one went under the radar. Probably both fighters won't be known to uh, to a lot of people, but um, an interesting fight. And Benavidez is definitely one to watch out for. I think Callum Smith will have eyes on this fight. Uh, I think he's going down the WBC route. That obviously depends on what happens at the World Boxing Super Series, but one he'll have his eye on. Benavidez is only 21, and one of them that if you are gonna you're gonna try watch this fight, you're gonna see a great fight. I think. Um, Gavril did lose on a split decision, but Benavidez was down in the last fight. And one of those um, fights that this is a rematch that everyone wants to see. But as you said, it's going under the radar. Benavidez, he's 21. This guy could be the future of the super middleweight division. I think I have seen Benavidez. I do follow uh, Benavidez on social media and I've seen a lot of his stuff. And obviously I have seen the last couple of fights that he's had and he's really coming into his own. Uh, obviously he had a big test against Ronald Gavril in his last fight and it, you know, it was a split decision. Uh, he went down in the fight and that could be due to inexperience. And, you know, he's very young. Uh, when you think about him, he's a super WBC super middleweight title at 21 years old. Um, there's not a lot of people in this day and age that, that, are, that are of that age that pick up titles that prestigious so early on in the careers uh, but he has had a lot of fights for, for his age as well he's very much reminds me of, of of the way Canelo has progressed his career you know he started at 15 and you know by the time he's like tw- 21 he's had like 30 fights so it's it, it, they come of a very similar sort of culture and background and, and, and I think that's what it is um, with, with fighters over in you know in the South American region uh, but Benavides is obviously he's one that a lot of casual audience fans might not have seen over here because he's not had that exposure over in Britain just yet. But Callum Smith will definitely have his eye on Benavidez because it was one before this World Boxing Super Series came about. Callum Smith was actually the mandatory for the WBC, so he was supposed to fight uh, the the winner uh, who contested the title. I can't remember was it um, Anthony Durrell at the time I can't remember the life of me but um, he was mandatory for that particular title after winning an eliminator and obviously with entering the tournament he, that kind of took that right away for him and now he, he, you know if he comes through the World Boxing Super Series and he's the victor at the end of this all he's going to walk away with um, you know two, two or three world titles and then potentially going in for, for a fourth against Benavides. So it is definitely a fight that I would urge people to, to look out for if you can't catch it, obviously, on the Saturday night because it's going to be quite late on for people over here. It's about 3, 4 in the morning. Catch it on Sunday during the day because uh, I do feel we're going to be seeing Benavides very soon, uh, you know, a lot more... Uh, on these shows in particular there's going to be a lot of more talk of potential fights in the future with the British contingent against Benavides so uh, definitely watch out for that one Uh, moving back to the welterweight division uh, in what is definitely a crossroads fight uh, Devin Alexander making his return against Victor Ortiz Uh, this is definitely last chance saloon for these two isn't it yeah it's even one of them that I think maybe their, their chances have gone they haven't been active especially Devin Alexander. The records lately haven't been great. Um, two guys who don't seem too interested in boxing. I don't know if Ortiz needs the money. Um, they've had troubles. Well, Ortiz definitely has had trouble away from boxing. I think it's one of those fights. I don't really know where either goes, even with a win. Um, retirement is what probably will happen with a defeat, but it could be a name. 
for someone if an upcoming welterweight it could be a name on the record but you wouldn't like to see that after like what they've put into the sport uh, i don't really know what a win does for either it's not going to put them on any kind of um it could put them in because someone could throw them in but uh someone could throw them in a big title fight but you wouldn't i just think this is a fight where it's crossroads but maybe they've already gone through the crossroads i don't think either has too much interest <laughs> in boxing alexander as i said hasn't been active in ortiz has his issues away from boxing and I think he's lost four of his last seven. And that that's saying something for a fighter that was of, of Ortiz's um, stature. I think it very could be, very much could be uh, a money fight with both of them. Like you've said that you've touched on it with Ortiz and he's had some issues in and outside of boxing. Um, but it's a shame really because at one time he was a very good fighter. And he, he, in his last fight that I did see, he did show signs of you know, still being a half-decent fighter. Um, but Devin Alexander, obviously, he's also had some issues. And at one point, he was, you know, he was going to be the ruler of the welterweight division. And, and, and that's just all fell flat for him as well. So I, I think if, if if whoever gets the win, I think they do get one more shot, whether that be at a welterweight title or whether that just be against someone very highly ranked and very well known in the welterweight division, say a potential opponent for Errol Spence uh, or Keith Furman in the future, I think that could probably be a possibility, you know, as as a fight for them to keep busy. But in terms of whether or not they could ever pick anything up again, I, I highly doubt it. I think they're both at the the ends of the careers now, and I think a lot of it will be to to keep them financially stable and and you know keep support the families basically because that's what you know as part of uh, being a boxer is all about. It's a business as well, so they're obviously going to want to try and keep the family well supported and, and give themselves a good lives. And uh, I think this is. Uh, that type of a fight to be honest with you in terms of who I see winning the fight I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't honestly pick a winner to be honest with you because I, I don't know what either of them have got left to give and that's the, that's the sad part about it I don't really know Yeah, you don't, you don't know which you don't know what's going to turn up on the night it could be it could be a war it could be a snooze fest you just don't know what's going to turn up from either and that's, that's, that's the pity with this if they're fighting just for money it's sad to see yeah well it's one I would suggest, again, for listeners of the podcast to, to at least catch up with, you know, even if you don't manage to catch the full fight, um, catch up with the highlights at least, because I, I do think it's one to keep an eye on, because I do think it's a potential opponent um, for, for, for welterweight fighters that we, we all know and love. Uh, so we'll see what happens come Saturday night. But again, I just thought I'd bring it up on the podcast because I thought it was one that because of the type of fight we've just labelled it as, it's definitely gone under the radar. It's definitely not one that people are interested in, so to speak, over this side of the pond. So, you know, it's, it, could, it could just turn into be a really great fight, like, we, like we've suggested as well. So yeah, Maybe four or five years ago it would have been a, a huge fight, but I think now it's... Um, I don't think anyone has too much interest in it, but definitely one to catch as a, these were two good names in the, in the welterweight division. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're going to move on to the second interview that you picked up this week, Cahill, uh, and it's with the Commonwealth Cruiserweight Champion, uh, Luke Watkins. Um, tell us a little bit more about Luke. Yeah, Luke is an undefeated fighter. Um, he's coming through, and he's coming through at the, at the right time, as we said. The domestic scene in, in the UK is really buzzing at the moment, and I think if in his next couple of fights, I think he's going to challenge for the British title, whether that's uh, Matty Askin or um, Simmons, it, it remains to be seen, but he wants the big fights, he, he said he won't turn down any fight um, once the offer is right, and I think that's what you want to see from fighters, it doesn't matter about undefeated records or anything like that, he just wants the fight, and that's that's what's good to see. 
Well, we'll play the interview. It's around about ten minutes long. Um, you know, it's it's really it's a really good listen. So I'll put it on now, and then we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Luke in a few moments. So um, you're back out on March third, and uh, just wondering if you have an opponent announced for announced for that night. No, it's just it's, we're struggling with the opponents at the moment. Um, the time of year, you know, there's been a lot of shows on. Um, there's a lot of shows going on at the moment. So Paddy's just confirming. I think we're looking we're looking at two possibilities. So we're just awaiting confirmation. Any names? I don't know. I don't know. I just I leave that with Paddy, and once he's got the name, he'll give me the name to look at and say, "Look at this guy." And how excited are you to, to fight back in Swindon in front of uh, in front of your hometown, in front of your home fans? Yeah, do you know what? I, uh, I say this all the time, but I know as much as they come proud of me and they come everywhere and they're so loyal, I'm very, very grateful. I am excited for them to be able to just roll out of their house and be on their doorstep. It's a, it's a good night for Swindon, it's good for them, and it's good for me. You had four wins in 2017. How active do you want to be in 2018 and you want to push on and uh, take... Take home uh, the British title. Is that something that uh, something you have have a goal set? Definitely. I want to be just as busy. I want to be active. I want to be in fights. Uh, we can agree these any of these fights. We, they can be agreed. They can happen. I want them. I'm sure the other boys in the division want it. I just want to be active and I want to be in good big fights. I want that British year. And Matty Askin takes on Stephen Simmons um, soon. How do you see that fight going? Um, I think. And who would you like to face if, if you had your choice? Would it be Simmons or would it be Askin? Either or. I don't care. As long as I get the water, uh, take that British title. And how do you see a fight going with either? How would you see a fight going for yourself with Askin and a fight for yourself going with uh, going with Simmons? Um, I think with Askin, it'll be more of a, a chess match. Uh, Simmons likes to walk forward. I just see him walking, trying to walk me down. Boom, lights out. And uh, what did you make of the the main event on uh, Saturday night? Uh, Acoli and Chamberlain kind of fell flat. What do you think? Um, it was. It is what it is. Uh, they are still novices in, in respect. You know, we're all like they're they're under ten fight novices, and I'm in the category of it's the under twenty five novices. Um, so the people did they really expect you know a, a very seasoned pro ten round war of experience? No, that wasn't going to happen. Another fight we saw at the weekend was um, Gassiev against Tortugas. Did you see that fight? What did you make of that? And what do you make of what the World Boxing Super Series is doing for the cruiserweight division? Um, the fight was great. Most probably one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Toe to toe. The whole fight was, it was non-stop. And both of them were it. And regards to the, the World Boxing Series shining the light on the cruiserweight, it's, it's doing the cruiserweight justice. You know, the cruiserweights have never really been given the limelight as such. And that has shone through them onto the domestic. And it's great. There's a lot of people talking about the cruiserweight division now. And why do you think maybe people overlook the cruiserweight division? It is starting to come into its own. But why do you think maybe it's it's been the dormant division for, division for so many years? The name of it, for a start, cruiserweight. What does that mean? You know, people instantly think heavyweight. What's before? 
you have light well well light middle middle light heavyweight heavyweight people don't know what cruiserweight is um, and they haven't uh, and now there's a there's some big names in there superstars and uh and now it's giving people the chance to understand and know what cruiserweights are so do you think something like the 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 um the world boxing super series do you think that's been good for boxing do you think that could uh could help develop maybe um other divisions and uh, other fighters i think it's the best thing for boxing ever to have truthfully no one can run the best boxer and it's a tournament that is what we want really you know and the fact that we're getting a unified champion at the end of it that's what you want you want the one world champion he is the champ he is the man and people have to go through him and who do you think will win the final between gassiev and usik Someone that you've worked with your whole career is um, is Paddy Fitzpatrick. How big has he been for your career, and uh, and how, and where you're going to go in your career? Well, think of a rally car driver, right? You have your co-pilot and you have the driver. The co-pilot is just as important as the driver. You know, if not, it's more important. He's the one who studies the race. He's the one who knows course and track. He's all the experience. I just fight. So he's very important. Uh, important for my career. I think was anything to start, and we've got a great relationship. Something we touched on was the was the British beef card. How much would you like to be um to be on big big shows like that, big main events, and um, perhaps on the television, um it this year, or um is it something that you're you're ready to take your time and the TV will come when it comes? It will happen when it's ready to happen. But I assure you, I am going to be a big fight like that. There's no issue, but I will be in those big fights definitely. Is a potential fight if the British title fight wasn't to come off? Is a potential fight with Tommy McCarthy something that could happen? I did want to touch on um, Paddy and Paddy and myself, both Irishmen. I was just wondering what it meant to yourself to win the Irish title. It was just something I wanted to touch on with you. seen during the week um, Tony Bellew saying that he'd be interested in fighting um, Usyk can you see Tony Bellew perhaps coming back down to cruiserweight to uh, to take up um, his shot at the, the WBC title or do you think he's done he's going to stay at, at, at heavyweight no he would definitely come back down why wouldn't that be a massive massive fight for him you know Usyk's profile at the moment is Tony Bellew's also is after the David Hayes um, beef or whatever has gone on over there it would make sense for him you know because he's not a massive heavyweight he can come down, he can easily make cruiser, and he could be in a massive, massive fight. Because it wouldn't just be for the W, it would be, it would be for all the belts. Because the rules of when you fight the title, if your opposition is eligible to fight for the title, which obviously would be eligible to fight in any of the, the world governing body at that level, they would all have to be on the line. 
Another report we've seen was that Usyk may move up to heavyweight. Is that something you don't want to see if he was to win the competition, just to vacate the belt, kind of leave them behind him and move up to heavyweight? Do you think he should stay at, heavy, uh, at cruiserweight and continue to oh, defend the titles? I don't know, you know. I really don't know the answer to that question. I don't think he would because, ah, I don't know, he could have just possibly fought, for the, well, he has just fought all the best in the division. Uh, fight with Tony values may keep him down at cruiserweight for one extra fight. There's no other big fight. Many of them make bigger money at heavyweight. And it seems to be that cruiserweights do move up to heavyweight. Just in speaking for yourself, is it something maybe in a couple of years, if if you were to clean up a cruiserweight, would it be something that you would go up to heavyweight? Is it something that cruiserweights think about? After I've cleaned up at cruiserweight, I will definitely go up to heavyweight. You know, I make weight. I'm not someone who walks around at the cruiserweight limit. I have to diet. I have to watch what I need. I have to be sensible. I make weight. I have to lose weight be in my division but yeah definitely because the natural progression would be to go up and what do you think that is for cruiserweights it, it, it never seems to be just stay a cruiserweight is it just the natural progression is that you have to boil down to, to cruiserweight is this that the, that heavyweight is a, it's just the natural division for a lot of cruiserweights yeah I, 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 that's a, a funny one I don't know because for me it's about performance my better performance are down here you know and obviously not having a massive amateur experience an amateur background I've got lots of And you said that you don't have a, a huge amateur background. So how do, how important do you think it is for for yourself to go to different gyms sparring? Like, is it is it does that help you learn even more than than fo- just going into a fight? Is sparring something that has also uh, been a big learning curve for you? Absolutely, taking yourself and putting yourself in the uncomfortable situation of going to gym with new people, new experiences, new challenges is the best way you can possibly learn, other than fight itself. It gives you it gives you the belief. One thing I just the last thing I want to touch on, um, um, Luke, is just someone who's worked with uh, with Paddy um, George Groves fights next week. I was just wondering how you see the the George Groves um, Chris Eubank Jr. fight going. I think George beats him. Um, I don't know if he's going to stop him, but I think George George is very very big in the weight. You know, I've seen him outside of camp. I've seen how much he comes down, and like he's a big big man in the middle. And Eubank Eubank is an average middleweight, if not on the slightly smaller side. Um, I think it'll be a good fight. It'll be a good for maybe six to eight rounds, and then I think George will, will take the fight later on. So you think George will stop him late? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't see that done. So um, I don't see that going foul round. I didn't think Isaac in uh, Apoli was going to go foul round, but you never know. I don't see it happening. If I- so there you go. We're listening to, to Luke Watkins there talking about uh, what he sees for the future. Um, you know, Carl, he's uh, he sounds uh, like he's got his head screwed on right anyway. That's for sure. Um, he, he wants the right fights. He, he's got a close eye on Askington Simmons um, with the potential to fight the winner. So that's going to be really good, you know, because 
again, <laughs> it's funny, I, I, it makes me laugh because a lot of the podcasts recently are all about cruise away, cruise away, cruise away, and that just goes to show how far in such a short space of time the cruiserweights have been put on the map because uh, of World Boxing Super Series, uh, people like Tony Bellew, um, you know, really bringing this, this division and, and he said it himself, really, in that interview, Luke, about the fact that when they think of the natural divisions, you don't think of cruiserweight. You think of heavyweight, light heavyweight, you know, middleweight, super middleweight. You know, they're all sort of paired off, essentially, but this one's kind of stuck, you know, in, in well, not in the middle of them all, but, you know, kind of there and thereabouts. So it was good to sort of hear his take on that. And, um, you know, I have seen footage of his fights and he, he looks cracking fire and I think he really could um, be one that could cause an upset with either Askins or Simmons. Yeah, he's one of them that's coming through at the moment and he says that he wouldn't turn down any fights like Isaac Chamberlain or anything like that. And for me, probably would be could be the next British Cruiserweight champion. But I, as, he, as you said, it's one of those divisions. It doesn't really have a link. There's no light Cruiserweight. There's no super... Like, it's in the middle and sometimes fighters would go from cruiser to heavy before you even knew they had a uh, cruiserweight career. But someone that is definitely worth keeping an eye on, a really nice guy, and he, I think this will be his breakout year, 2018. Well, we're looking forward to seeing his progress. Um, it's definitely you know one for the podcast listeners to keep an eye on. Uh, if you've not already heard about Luke Watkins, give him a follow across social media. Um, so let's get on to the, the back end of the show now, and let's talk about uh, a lot of the uh, social media talk um, that we've been seeing, and a couple of fight announcements, which uh, again has, has really got us you know vamped up for the the next coming couple of months. Um, both Ryan Burnett and Joe Cordina being added to the Anthony Joshua Joseph Parker bill, which is a great additions to it. Um, let's quickly talk about obviously Ryan Burnett. You know he, he's one that a lot of people uh, have, have been raving about, and he's got his his defence of uh, of both of his titles now uh, on the AJ bill. Um, obviously with him with him being over from Ireland, you know I take it you, you know he's someone that Irish contingent you know follow quite a lot. Yeah, Ryan Burnett is one of them. After Frampton, is probably the biggest name coming through in Irish boxing. Has two titles. I think he's already. I think he had to vacate the IBF. But he these big shows is what he needs to be on. He has a great coach in his corner, and for me, probably the best trainer in uh, in Britain in Adam Booth, who's going to push him in the right direction. He has a tough fight. Um, they're putting him in with with tough opponents. He's not getting it easy uh, against Jan Fraser Parejo, but. One that you would expect him to come through, and again, another big year from Ryan Burnett is what it, is what I'd be expecting. And I think Eddie Hearn kind of has the bit between his teeth when it comes to Ryan. Wants to push him onto the big fights and wants to push him onto fulfilling his potential this year. Do you think the fight with uh, Zelani Tete is going to come off at some point this year? I don't know. I think with the the rival the rival broadcasters, I don't know how willing they are to make it. Um, seems to get in the way a lot. That kind of stuff, politics, which is unfortunate to see. I'd love to see it. I think it's one of those fights, um, one of the fights of the year contender, if, if they could pull it off. But I just don't see it. I think they're going down two different paths. It's a bit of a, again, it's a bit of a shame, really, isn't it? We know when stuff like that happens because it's a fight that we'd really want to see. And, you know, if that, that, that could be made, 
I think a lot of people would be excited to see that fight, but then it's obviously um, natural progression. You know, we're going to see where both of the careers move. It might put them on a collision course, it may not, but it'll just be disappointing if that never happens for me personally. I'd love to see that fight. Um, moving on to obviously the Welsh wizard, Joe Cordina. Uh, he's got a really, really tough test on the AJ Bill. He's going in against hard punching Andy Townend, uh, which I think is a really, really good matchup for Joe Cordina. He's, you know, you, you spoke about him a couple of weeks ago and he, he was one of the fighters you know, out of the crop of, of, of that generation that, that really stood out and, and now he's going in against Andy Town and um, what, what do you make of this fight? Yeah, it's a tough fight but it's what you want to see you don't want to see the, the Olympians kind of being protected and letting them pad out their records I, I'm sure Cardina feels the same he's going in with the chance of winning a big title uh, he's in with a good name and it's a chance to announce himself uh, it's, it's, a bit, it's in, his, in his hometown and I'm sure that Joe would would want nothing more than to take home the the WBA title, um, international title. Sorry, but out of the out of the crop, there's there's three that you you'd be keeping your eye out: Buatzi, Kelly, and Cordina. And Cordina is one that you're gonna see a good fight, a very tough fight. And um, you have to take your hat off to Eddie Hearn, who doesn't want to just protect them. Let as I said, let them pad out the records, let them get them to fourteen and zero. But they haven't really challenged anyone, and then they come unstuck when they do have a challenge. I think. Maybe that happened a little bit with uh, Luke Campbell. But I think this is the kind of making of Joe Cordine. If he can get the win, get a good title under his under his belt, he, it's going to stand him in good stead for his whole career. And Andy Townend, no slouch. Um, could you, you probably could say maybe a 50-50 fight. It's one that I certainly think is a great addition to the card anyway. Um, we've seen Andy Townend before. You know, people might say, oh, well, Andy Townend, he, you know, he, he, all he's really got is a big punch. He's not He's not the only thing he's got. He is quite a really good, well, he is a really good boxer. Uh, probably underrated slightly as well. And I think it's a perfect test at this stage of Joe Cardina's career because there's no point in putting him in with people that he's going to be blowing away easily. He needs to be in with someone big. And I think Andy Townend is a perfect opponent um, to, to go in against uh, come 31st of March. So that sort of wraps it up for, for that little bit of news. You brought some news to my attention, which I wasn't aware of, um, which you mentioned Antonio Tarver. Uh, it talks about coming back to, to fight a, a return in Tyson Fury. It's it's one of them. There seems to be everyone calling out Tyson Fury at the moment. People know that he needs an opponent. Tarver, I think, is long enough out of the game. Maybe needs the money as well. Uh, I don't. It's not a fight I'd like to see. He hasn't fought since uh, 2015. Um, but it, I think people know that they're going to make a good bit of money for fighting Tyson Fury. His first fight back is is going to make the most money before the big fights with the likes of Joshua and stuff like that. You've seen Tarver call him out, Briggs. Maybe the Shannon Briggs fight can come off. Uh, I don't see the Tarver fight coming off. I can't see him coming back. It, it, it sells huge name, Antonio Tarver, huge name in boxing. Um, I think if Tyson Fury can get back, I'd, I'd expect you'd probably see him in June. Um, but you'd like to see him take on a name. The, the fight I'd like to see him in is probably the Manuel Char fight. Uh, there's a title on the line, and that's, that's a real fight. You'd, maybe the Tarver fight is just one of them. It's two names against each other. The Briggs fight doesn't really do much for him. But I think the Manuel Char fight could be the one that, uh, that people would like to see. I think a lot of people, uh, again, are forgetting about people like Manuel Char, uh, you know, that are around to fight Tyson Fury. He would be one that I'd actually give him, uh, I would say, a, an equal enough test. I think when you're looking at the likes of Shannon Briggs, as, as entertaining as he has become as a character, he's, 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 he's old. <laughs> he's old and, and really, what what has he got left? He's, he's not fought in over, what, 12 months? You know, he's 46. Nah, as, as, as much as I'd love the build-up to it, 
uh, I don't think the fight would live up to, to any sort of hype that there would be around it. So no, I wouldn't like to see that essentially. Antonio Tarver is way over the hill, uh, probably as much as what Roy Jones was when he recently retired this week, which we can touch on before we wrap this podcast up today. Uh, you know, Antonio Tarver is well over the hill now, and I, I think I think you're right. A lot of them are just calling him out because they know it's an easy money fight for them. Um, they know he's been out for a while. He's going to be a bit ring rusty. They're going to be very, very out of out of sorts because they've probably not been in the ring for that long or even trained for that long. It's you know, it's not it's not something that I think I'd sell well. So a Manuel Char fight, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that'd be a good one. Um, but no, none of the other two. None of the other two. Um, so moving on, obviously, uh, to what I just touched on there a little bit earlier on. Finally, this week saw the retirement of one of the best ever in Roy Jones Jr. Um, I'm so happy he's finally retired. Um, but he was one of my favourite fighters growing up uh, in the nineties. You know, the guy, like he said it himself. He can't be touched. He couldn't be touched back then. He was one of the greatest fighters that I've ever lived, for sure. Um, it's just a shame he carried his career on for so long. But is he one of your fighters that you you know like to watch, Carl? You know, he's one of mine for sure. But what about you? Yeah, definitely. I think Roy Jones is one that everyone around kind of everyone will know the name Roy Jones Jr. Did carry on his career way too long. I don't know whether he needed the money. I can't imagine that he did. He is. Um, good job as a as a boxing pundit himself so glad to see him retire unfortunately i think we will see him fight again he's one of them that might just hang around having fights and i think people will keep giving him he'll get people tuning in to watch i think he wants to have an mma fighter or a boxing fight with an mma fighter as well um he fought someone last week decent record um about 40 fights out of that they've had 30 and 11 defeats 11 30 wins 11 defeats glad to see him retire but i just don't think don't think that's it from roy jones i think i think he'll go out he wants to go out on maybe a bigger name but someone who should have retired a long long time ago he hasn't damaged his legacy or anything like that you can do you'll just say yeah he carried on too long but when he was in his prime yeah he could you you would have ranked him at one of the best that's ever that's ever laced up the gloves yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think he, he definitely would be up there in terms of top 10 pound-for-pound pound fighters of all time. You'd definitely put him in your top 10 for sure. And if you didn't, uh, I, I don't know what, what you would ever watch when you've watched boxing because he's, he's for sure one of, the, he's one of the best, absolutely. Um, but yeah, glad to see him retire now. I'm glad that that you know that hopefully will be the end of his career. Um, whether he moves into something else I hope not but in terms of, of what he's done for boxing he's, he's amazing and um, you know I'm happy that if, if that's the end of it you know I'm happy for him because he did a lot he did a lot and he beat a lot happy of that he went fight. out on a win if that is yeah. his last fight I'm glad he went out on a win I wouldn't like to see him go out on a defeat no no because I mean you look back at the fight he um, he suffered a bad loss was it Was it Enzo Macronelli who suffered a bad loss too it was wasn't it yeah, he knocked he knocked him out and he was in a bad way and then he kind of had a, a, a an odd fight with someone who was making their debut but even the the Enzo Macronelli fight did really make much sense. I think he he retired maybe eight eight years too late, eight nine years too late. Yeah. But he seems to have all his faculty. Still speaks well, everything like that. You just maybe you just loves the sport. But I'm glad he went out on a on a victory, and and hopefully now he he does hang them up for good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm near enough at the end of, of of this week's episode. There's one. Um, a little bit of news, well, no, I don't say news, I say it's a great social media plug this week, uh, was uh, Paddy McCrory's KO at the Devonish. What did you make of that one? Yeah, that's one of them where 
his opponent got folded up properly. It's 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 one of those knockouts that when you see it, you kind of go, oh Jesus! But <laughs> a great win for him. But it, you have to see it. It's one of those clips that you'd be looking at. And I, I even when I watched it, I watched it two or three times because his opponent out on his feet ends up on his back. It's it, it's a it's a devastating knockout. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it got a lot of shares around social media. That's for sure. Anyway, um, highlight real KO. Probably one of the best um, you'll see this year for sure. Um, but no, it was really good. Um, <laughs> it was really good. Pretty brutal. His opponent was all right though. At the end, which was what mattered, of course. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, is there any other bits of news or bits of info that you want to bring up this week before we call it a day? You were seeing Adrian Brown got arrested again today. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. He's he's it's going a bit mad, isn't he? I think he um I think he just needs to to lay off completely now. He's one of them that it, it, boxing could save him from any kind of issues he has away from the ring. I think if he stuck his head down, stayed in the gym, but he just can't. He's one of them that when he's in boxing, he can't seem to stay away from controversy. When he's outside of boxing, he can't seem to stay away from controversy. Um, you'd be hoping that someone could put a could put an arm around him and kind of because he does have the talent. He's not liked by a lot of people. Um. Doesn't I can't imagine he has too many fans, but the Mikey Garcia fight didn't cover himself in a lot of glory. Would got the brakes beaten off him, and now having the issues away from from boxing, it just doesn't it doesn't look good for Adrian Broner for something that promised so much. Yeah, I think we could be potentially looking at a, a bit of a sad story, really, if it continues the way it is. Um, I don't want it to continue the way it is. I'd love to see him back in, and I'd love to see him kind of come back from all this, but it's pretty difficult I mean you look around on social media and you look at the posts that, that, that he puts out and you, you kind of find them pretty reckless and you think you could, it just looks like someone who's on the decline basically um, and, and quite rapidly seems as off well. the rails I think I don't know Floyd Mayweather has uh, much contact with him now but you'd like to sit with someone someone maybe in boxing who can put their arm around them and just to sit him down talk him he's only young but he could weigh so much talent and if he does end up behind bars and stuff like that you just don't want to see it not a huge fan of Adrian Browner myself but you don't want to see him go down that road no absolutely not um but that's it. I've not got anything else for this week's episode. I think we've covered everything off. Um, probably just a final note on the, on the main fight this weekend, which is Groves and Eubank. Um, obviously, I've picked Eubank as the winner. You've picked Groves. Um, we've given our reasons for it. It's going to be interesting to see which one of our picks comes out on top on Saturday night. Um, really excited for that that particular fight and that particular bill. Um, really can't wait to discuss it next week and what what the aftermath may bring um but that that's about it for me is there anything else from you before i wrap the podcast up no i'm all good chap brilliant so uh first of all obviously thank you for obviously bringing us the uh the interviews for this week some great interviews um we've already got a couple lined up for next week's episode uh, which will be again another couple of great interviews uh again thank you to everybody across social media who's been following uh ourselves on the necessary platforms which i'll go through with you now uh obviously facebook is one of the main ones uh, which is beyond the ropes boxing podcast twitter uh, is at btr boxing pod um soundcloud stitcher player fm itunes you can find us all on there make sure you give us a review please share the episode of the podcast around um it's nice to see people like dave allen 
after last week's episode sharing the podcast for us and sharing the episode and um joe joyce as well actually is another one that retweeted it out so it was a uh, it was really good to see even though i did say he was as stiff as a board uh he mustn't have not listened to that <laughs> <laughs> he mustn't have listened to it but it was nice to get the retweet off him so obviously for the guys that are listening to it please keep doing that for us it really does help gain more exposure um and leave us feedback give us any comments any questions um we've both discussed this week Carl, that we're going to look at the um the, the the bonus episode which is going to be uh, biggest upsets in boxing history which is one i'm really looking forward to sitting down and recording with you because i think that's going to be uh, quite an interesting one um but if you want to find ourselves myself it's uh, at sean basto esbr uh, and yourself is at 14 and it's spelled c-a-t-h-a-l call yep you find me at 14 call yep brilliant uh, well that, that wraps it up for today thank you very much for listening uh, and we'll see you next week sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.